Hey everybody, welcome back into the Horseshoe for take two of Snap Judgments for the podcast. Sorry about that if you're trying to catch us live. No idea what happened. Berm tried to fix it to no avail. So here we go. Here we go. That was our impression of the Iowa offense. Ha <laughs> I get it. It was 54 to 10 Buckeyes. That's Bill Landis, Jeremy Birmingham. I am Austin Ward. Um, as I feel like I've said before, just a weird win as Ohio State kicked off the second half of the season with a win in here. It's really weird. It's hard, I think, to like analyze the offense because they were so good at the end of the game, but they kind of got worked over a little bit for like the first two and a half quarters, maybe two quarters and yeah. one drive. Um, not particularly good up front, like not particularly inspired play calling. Um, I think that Iowa, CJ Stroud said they didn't, they weren't like blindsided by something they hadn't seen before. But I do think Iowa came out with a pretty different defensive plan from what Ohio State was expecting, and it gave them problems for half the game. The one thing that you knew they were going to do was just try to be physical at the point of attack, and Iowa beat up the Ohio State offensive line in the running game. Ohio State averaged 2.2 yards a carry, 66 yards on 30 uh, 30 attempts. 13 yards like for Mayan Williams on like nine carries was not what I expected. We know he is still coming back off of a minor leg issue that he had that led to the Michigan State you know, absence, but he did not look like himself. The Ohio State run game just never seemed to get going. And you could tell, I don't know that I've seen C.J. Stroud look rattled mm-hmm. like he did in this first half today uh, at any point in his career. And so whatever Iowa was doing, we'll have to obviously, we'll have to go to the tape. Uh, but tape. it certainly did not look extremely comfortable. And fortunately for Ohio State, the Iowa offense proved itself to be the worst in the country as we all thought they were as we said earlier like the only thing that happened today that we expected was that i was offense did not score a touchdown yeah so i did talk to kevin wilson uh, a little bit after the press conference and before he left and got on the bus out of here like there were a couple things he felt like they saw more single high and some different looks than they anticipated from iowa and the other part was the buckeyes don't script opening drives like you hear about that a lot especially at the nfl the stuff you rep and you want to go out and do it on the first drive of the game Ohio State doesn't necessarily do that but they do have some plays and and different looks that they want to get into early that they're really comfortable with and then the fact that they had nothing but plus field position or starting in the red zone and compressed areas didn't really allow them to get into that I'm not saying that that's a, a good excuse or justification or whatever else but that's the way Ohio State felt and then over the course of a game think this is why it's weird to evaluate this as you said bill like because by midway through the third quarter certainly into the fourth the score starts getting out of hand because ohio state found out some opportunities in the passing game and cj stroud hit you know two or three shots in a row on that one drive leading up to the emeka buka touchdown which was just a jaw-dropping pass like okay you play four quarters of a game and they won 54 to 10 i was also a very good defense so there's some credit to go around. There's some things as we do every single week to nitpick. And it's just like the way you felt after the first half, like that's it should have disappeared, but it just stuck in my brain. I think you're allowed to be frustrated with how it was going in the first half. But, but I also think, too, you have to give them a little bit of credit, Ohio State, for figuring out the answers. It did seem like they got more single high than they thought. They got probably got more man coverage than they thought they were going to get. The touchdown to, uh, was it a Mecca here? Like the yeah. slot kind of wheel route almost. That was a man coverage beater. Um, they had Julian Fleming on the deep post on the middle of the field against what looked like man coverage as well. So, like, they got into it. They got into the things they needed to get into. Just took too long. That that happens sometimes with this offense, I think. Um, I, I personally do not think that sorry we were too close to the end zone yeah. is, a, is a valid <laughs> excuse for why they struggled uh, early in the game. But I get that it's not exactly what you're expecting coming in. Um, I'm 
I'm more alarmed, if that's the right word, with the lack of a run game and the lack of push up front. And what I thought was the running backs. We've seen Trevion Henderson and Maya Williams both throughout the course of the season at times try to bounce stuff and that leads to lost yardage. And I thought that happened too many times today. Uh, it happened a lot. Yeah. Uh, that's obvious. I don't know. If one is probably not too many, but five or six is, is definitely too many. And you saw just a front four uh, of Iowa that was beating Ohio State to the point of attack and, and getting in the backfield and causing some chaos. Ultimately, I, I was down here at halftime. I'm like, man, 26 to 10 at half. You think, okay, 52 to 10 final. And then you think there's no way it's going to. And then, but it, that's what happened essentially. Tacked on an extra two. It didn't feel good. Um, I, I think that there is definitely one of those moments where you go, you just rush it off and say, let's let's move forward and prepare for Penn State. But you know what Penn State's going to do up front. They're going to watch what Iowa did and try to mimic that a little bit. Yeah. Um, and, and again, I, I think the biggest concern for me is just that Ohio State was unable to assert itself, in, you know, offensively on the on the line. I mean, defensive line played incredible. Zach Harrison played the best game of his career at Ohio State without question. Um, and so there's a lot of positives, but as you look towards a team that is trying to win a national championship, the expectation for this team right now is to win a national championship. That is not the type of performance you expect after an off week. I was going to say, we'll have plenty of time to get into the positives. I don't think we're quite there yet on snap judgments because we've got to talk about Jackson Smith and Jigbo, what we think about uh, Ryan Day's explanation of the pitch count. Um, it appeared to me... I don't know what that number was supposed to be that Jackson Smith and Jigba went over after that route was overthrow. He got gimpy. It looked like he might've got kicked in the leg or something behind as he was trailing it. And then he went right to the sideline. There was still a third down coming up. There were three trainers attending to him. They were looking at his left knee. Uh, it did not look to me like they were evaluating the same hamstring issue that had kept him out for the last month. I don't know that I'm not a doctor. That's what I saw. Um, Nobody afterwards seemed to express any concern about Jackson Smith and Jigba's availability moving forward. The closest anybody got was that Emeka Ibuka was like, we know that he wants to be out there more than he was today. We're hoping that he gets a chance to do that next week against Penn State. Uh, optimistic about that. I don't know if that would be the right way to describe it, but that was what they said. Nobody was panicked about it, yeah. but the explanation was strange. I think both things can be true, that yeah. he was on a pitch count and that he tweaked something else. Um, I, I don't think they arrived at the point where they wanted to pull him out of the game the way they hoped they would. I, it's probably the, the, the best way to say it. I think something did happen there. Um, but he stayed on the sideline for the remainder of the first half. They and had he was him, like right by Brian Hart. Yeah, he had his helmet looked on. looked like he was ready to yeah, go back Yeah, and he was doing some jogging with it. Like it didn't, it didn't look like he was bothered all that much. And, and I do think you need to be cautious with a guy like that, especially coming back off the injury that he was coming back from. But I... I don't think the way that it was portrayed to us post-game is exactly what happened. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just say that. Uh, <laughs> this is one of these things. Like We knew going into this game that there was going to be a pitch count for Jackson Smith and Jigba. We talked about it all week. Did he hit it? Probably. I mean, they were at the 20-player mark or so with him. Certainly not the, the start he wanted. He gets one catch, and he fumbles on it. Uh, he got popped pretty good and, and dropped the ball. Um, certainly didn't look like he was totally into the rhythm. But as we were talking about, you know, while while we, before we were recording this, like the lu the ludicrous nature of this offense is such that you don't need the best receiver in the country uh, to be great. Uh, and I want to talk about positives because there was a positive for me after CJ Stroud throws that uh, interception on the first play of the second half. Obviously, the Buckeyes get the ball back the next play, which is whatever in itself weird. This entire day was weird. A little hot potato, but. <laughs> 
<laughs> Iowa's really good at playing hot potato. <laughs> they have an offense that yeah, loves their, to give the ball away best and play. a defense that can take it back. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's Kirk Ferentz, Brian Ferentz. They're, they're exceptional. I got a career move for you. But CJ, hot potato Olympics. CJ completed his next seven passes. Yep, three of them for touchdowns. All of them high degree of difficulty throws. And to me, like what you see out of him is a kid who just doesn't get phased by his mistakes. Uh, I, again, I thought he looked a little rattled in the first half, but he clearly just let it go because the first ball that he threw on the seam route to Emeka Abuka that, that really kick-started that seven in a row was unbelievable. Yep. And like most guys who had just thrown an interception on a very similar play going for Julian Fleming wouldn't have made that play. And so I, I just think it says a lot about CJ's confidence, and but also what the, the confidence that this team has in him. I've consistently said that I understand CJ's point. I get his point. I support his position that it's better for him to use his arm to get the take advantage of the playmakers he has. Today was the first time, real time. Like Nebraska, I know that there were bad decisions in that game, force balls, like people that was the I'm not a running back day. Like I understand that people have had this concern before today. I really have not. Today I thought the the interception and then the ensuing, uh, it was third and seven or so, Bill, I think. He just stood there and he yep. was frozen in the pocket like he was a glitching Madden player. And there was just a free first down there and he refused to take it. Uh, it doesn't he mean, left late. Yeah, it, left late. it doesn't mean to me that he shouldn't continue to use his strength, which is his arm. But when there are better defenses, and I was one of the better ones that you're going to face in the country, to be honest, based on what I saw today. You have to make some plays. We've seen him extend it and throw. You still have to go out and get some of the free yardage that's available to you when it's presented. So today was the first time where I was like, ah, those ones probably need to do over on that. Well, I think I think he can help himself. Like it's not it's not just about keeping the chains moving and staying on schedule and helping out the offense as a whole. Like CJ Stroud is a, is a rhythm quarterback. If that like when when this offense is humming and he's bing bang boom all over the field, like he is untouchable. But sometimes you get in games where you can't do that, but I think he hurts himself even more when he's double double pumping or he's taking an extra hitch or he's forcing balls in the coverage and he throws that rhythm off himself. Whereas if he would just, you know, tuck the ball and take his three yards and all of a sudden it's, I don't know, third and two instead yeah. of third and seven or whatever, I think that helps him out too. It reminds me a little bit, they're not the same quarterback. But there were a lot of times when JT Barrett was playing here that, that he didn't seem to get into a good throwing rhythm until he started running the ball and loosening things up a little bit. I'm not saying CJ has to do that, but I think he can help himself in those moments by not not holding the ball so long that it results in a negative play or a bad play, and then I think he gets thinking a little too much. Yeah, and the Iowa defense deserves some credit. I mean, they played a very good game. They came in and did exactly what we thought they would do. They did not make mistakes. Even on the long touchdown to Julian Fleming, the, it was just, that was just a better throw than the coverage, but it was really good coverage. The touchdowns to, to Marvin Harrison in the corner uh, uh, were was great coverage. The touchdown to Mecca Ibuka, great coverage. Those guys are where they need to be. And I think sometimes because CJ is so comfortable throwing to receivers who make catches that most guys in the country just can't make, like it allows for him to, at times to be less precise than he probably needs to be. But when you're playing against a defense that actually can make that hurt, you saw that discomfort and, and disjointedness in the offense. But, I mean, again, some of that credit goes to Iowa. Some of it is just the offense needs probably to to get a little bit cleaner. Okay, yeah, the Iowa offense is really, really bad. 
they had no chance against Ohio State's defense the way they play today. As you said, Zach Harrison, that was the finest performance. Like, forget about the level of competition. I was usually pretty well known for their offensive lines. They had a no chance against Zach Harrison today. He looked like he was coming, like he was using his track speed again and firing out of the blocks. That was some of the most impressive get-offs that you're ever going to see from a defensive lineman. Phenomenal performance from him. Tommy Eichenberg uh, told Berm that was his first touchdown probably since fifth grade. He seemed incredibly nonplussed about it uh, for a defensive linebacker to score a <laughs> touchdown uh, and accomplish a lifelong dream for many players. And he was just like, uh, yeah. I think he was bothered by the fact that him scoring a touchdown meant that he had to then answer questions. Yeah, had about to it talk about post game. Yeah, yeah. And next I, time he's just yeah. going to drop it. <laughs> I tried like three times, and then I was like, him, you, you don't care." Like, okay. Him scoring a touchdown, however, is what he needed to do to maybe make people around the country realize that he's the best linebacker in the country right now. And I don't mean the best linebacker in the country, except for anyone else. I mean yeah. the best linebacker in the country is Tommy Eichenberg. He's playing <clears> at a level that is just exceedingly yep. rare. Uh, but he also proved that he's better with the ball in his hands than Tanner McAllister. <laughs> oh boy! So I and I did ask Tanner. Tanner, Tanner was more. With, I joked with Tanner about it, so I don't think I'm joke. You know, Tanner was more more amusing and enlightening because I tried to make the same sort of jokes with him, and I said, "Tanner, aren't your interceptions too easy?" And he was like, "Yeah, kind of, but you know." Jim Knowles puts us in these positions and I've got to be in the right place. And that's an example of the secondary becoming more comfortable with the bluffs and disguises and uh, was much more good natured about it, which I appreciate about Tanner McAllister. I also appreciate Tommy Eichenberg too, because there's something to be said about the challenge of trying to get something out of him. It feels to me that this, like Jim Knowles talked a while ago about guys need to get more comfortable in the scheme and then the turnovers are going to come. Guys need to get more comfortable in the scheme and then the sacks are going to come. That Tanner McAllister picked that first one. It was a terrible throw by Spencer Peters, but I also think he was you confused. It was, oh, it was, <laughs> actually, I really enjoyed it. They, I will warm my heart today with how bad they were on offense. Um, but I do think that was a result of disguising coverages, as, as you just said. Like, there's, there feels like they're building on something. This was a really, really, really bad offense, which was pointed out to everybody on the defense yeah. multiple times as we were getting asked questions after the game. Um, but it was still a really, really solid defensive performance, and and. Regardless of the caliber of opponent, I think something to hang their hat on and something to be encouraged about as they continue to try to get better. What we saw was that the rivalry between Iowa and Wisconsin never sleeps. And Spencer Petrus and Graham Mertz were like, I could throw a worse interception in this stadium than you can. And I don't know who won exactly. Spencer Petrus won. Spencer Petrus. He definitely won. uh, Iowa pulled him to start the second half mercifully. Uh, and then, of course, Alex Padilla comes in and first thing Probably he does throws is <laughs> fumbles the ball in the first snap. <laughs> do, throws a, a, oh do you know what that should tell us? That it's definitely, definitely coaching. Maybe. I think we can get there. Yeah. Uh, you know, what else uh, today? Yeah. Um, Noah Riley, Ruggles. Noah Ruggles and Jesse Mirko continue to play. Okay. Mirko's good. But not so good for the special teams. Bradley Robinson left on crutches. Uh, right knee wrapped. It does not look good, the initial prognosis. That is a, a low-key blow for He's Ohio a good State. He's a great long snapper, yeah. consistent. Um, so that will uh, test some depth yeah. there. And kudos to Mason Arnold coming in the game and just letting things go. There was no mix-up in execution the rest of the way. And you know, as a Cincinnati Bengals fan, like I know exactly how painful that can be, uh, watching the long snapper go out unexpectedly and uh, you know, hopefully Bradley's okay, but that, that's a weird one. And, you know, I thought I will realize, like, the one chance they have today is to return kicks because 
And, and it's something we keep talking about, and it seems like a stupid thing to talk about, but clearly there's something on tape that teams are saying, let's try to return a kick against last eight, because how else are you going to score if you're Iowa? I feel like most of them, too, are like kind of getting out to the sideline, yeah. right? Like they're kind of – Ohio State still does that thing where they kind of – do a coffin corner kickoffs. If that kickoffs, kick is not right where it has to be, then, then everything gets thrown off. Yeah. But they're like kind of the returners are kind of taking it to the middle, then veering back and getting up the sideline, and all of a sudden the ball's in the 35-40. Not good. And then Jaden Ballard also got hurt covering a kickoff, and before that had committed a penalty on it. So pretty bad in both cases. I don't know the severity for Jaden Ballard, but that also didn't look good. So again, just a very unusual afternoon for you beat Iowa by 44 points. They usually just be like, well, there it is. That's a blowout. That's an easy win. They're on their way, and it just didn't just didn't quite feel that way. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Isn't that what you want, though? Mm-hmm. You, you come in here, you're a 30-point favorite, you win by 44, and you have a bevy of things to try to fix and a, and, and a whole list of things to try to get better at as you head into Penn State, a game that you know is going to be – similar in its uh, weirdness because every time we go to Penn State, it's weird. Can't confirm. Can't wait. Next Saturday noon, Ohio State-Penn State. That's a wrap from the Horseshoe. Uh, win number seven for the Buckeyes is a 54-10 to 10 banger over the Iowa Hawkeyes. Uh, sorry for the technical di- difficulties earlier on in Snap Judgments Live. Uh, we'll do our best. I'm not sure how State College will help us with that next week, but we'll, <laughs> we'll definitely try. That's Bill Burr. I'm Austin. Uh, thanks. Enjoy the rest of your weekend.